change the narrative. Yes, sir. Recruited, we're gonna beat your ass every time they see us. Oh, you understand that? Yes, sir. Roll that one. Fuck you. Yeah! Yeah! Thank you for joining the ESBC Sports Betting Podcast, the college football edition. I always say the purpose of the podcast is to make money, to make me money, because we are candid. We're the CNBC, Bloomberg of sports betting we're like a prospectus we have 100 percent transparency we're more transparent than any city state federal government right and the reason is that the same way you pick a stock in an investment is the same way you pick a football game and to that end for the last 12 years we've made a lot of money doing it but not only now we're making money we're sharing the information right so we can at least fight wealth inequality. We can teach business and financial concepts, right? And sports betting is the only form of wagering where it's a collaborative effort, right? So every, sing- every podcast is a business meeting. Every business has to have a purpose and an outcome, right? The outcome is 64% verified. You can see every pick. Right, last two years NFL, 68 college. That means uh, over a thousand percent ROI. That means you have 10 times more money than you had before listening to the podcast and using business and financial concepts to do so. Now, if you're the toughest, smartest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. I got uh, Chad Nolan, man. Arena League football player, former college football player. Uh, his brother should be the starting quarterback at, at Oregon State. And uh, he's, he's a disciple of the podcast. He's, he used the concept, concepts to make money, man. And that's what it's all about, helping each other uh, as inflation rises and as we live in a polarized society, that we can help each other out, make money, and figure out uh, the NFL and college football season. So I thank Chad Nolan uh, for joining us as we break down the Pac-10 so we can get that 70%. Uh, percent. Maybe get, let's get 80. I've had years when I've had uh, 90%, right? Yes, 52.5% is break-even. That margin is profit that you can use, right? You can use, my wife hasn't bought, uh, we haven't bought gasoline since 2011. It's all been betting money. Thank you, Chef, for joining us. Yeah, man, happy to be here. We got our last big conference to cover, and then uh, college football is upon us. We uh, we get to start watching some games and start seeing these teams in action and uh, seeing uh, what we've predicted and, and 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 new information that comes out week to week. Right, and what I'll do is that every Friday I'll have a uh, ten picks that I'll give out. On Friday, again, we were 68%. We were 70% for most of the year. Then we hit uh, bowl season. We hit like 80% bowl season. So very proud of that. And we hit, uh, I think it was four out of five uh, uh, championship uh, weekend and then uh, New Year's Day. So, 
very fortunate and lucky and good we're, we're able to do that. But you got to do your research. And I'm going to finish publishing either this week or next week the top 10 rules of betting. And the second rule is always do your research. So you, you can't just roll up first week on Saturday and get 80% if you haven't done your research. So uh, these preview podcasts are gold because not only do we inform you, we inform ourselves as we go through the information. And we made some picks already that I'm really proud of. I really like that Miami pick. Nobody's hurt. So that's a, that's a huge line, right? Yeah. And, uh, and those, those just came about organically, just us having a conversation on the podcast, you know? Right talking through the games together, you know, coming to some stuff, you know, the more information you share, the more you talk about it with, with like-minded people that, that understand the game as well, the more that those organic picks just kind of, they just come to you. And then, then you dive into the more research and you're like, yep, that's looking good. It's fun. It, it, it's a lot of fun to be able to monetize it and, you know, solve some problems sometimes. You argue with the wife about, using money for xyz when it's betting money <laughs> so it's the first to go and uh and my wife has bought uh, expensive dresses expensive dresses uh and um bags because it, it makes her feel better same thing with gas it makes her feel better to use betting money than anything else all right so i'm gonna well i'm thinking about it i'm going to See what Pac-12 games are going to be this weekend. And we'll have those on Friday. And we're going to go in order. We're going to use Phil Steele order. Uh, who he thinks are going to be the best team. But as I was talking with Chad earlier before I started the podcast, uh, you think it's going to be wide open, right? I think so, too. I think the talent level is very – it's equal pretty much. Yeah, not only that, too, is like that's kind of been the common theme for me with every conference. With this COVID year, you're having a lot more starters return on both sides of the ball. You know, we've talked about that gap between those blue blood elite teams and the developmentals kind of closening up this year. Um, and, I mean, I think the Pac-12 is like the epitome of that in general. You know, they it tends to be uh, the lowest margin, I'd say, from the top to the bottom the last few years so i think yeah with all that we're gonna have a lot of close games and it's gonna it's gonna be four or five teams that are gonna be competing for it and you know it's probably gonna come down to that last two or three weeks there's probably gonna still be four or five teams alive to to, to win it there towards the end of the season so it'll be fun and exciting looking forward to it yeah big time and before we get started with the washington huskies we'll start with them first uh is this true i'm thinking like because everybody got that extra COVID year, right? Mm-hmm. You play college football. Uh, have you seen guys that you're like, man, if I had a fifth year, you know, people, because you have two types of programs. You have Blue Buds and you have developmental programs. And really in the Pac-12, there's only one Blue Blood right now, USC. You UCLA uh, never won like a national title. They should be a blue blood, but uh, Mora and Kelly haven't recruited as well as probably they should. 
Washington could be a blue blood. They're right there on the on the edge of making yep. playoffs. Uh, Oregon now with uh, Ryan Christopher might be a blue blood, but really, uh, he he really is into developmental. And even though he's getting four and five stars, he still has a lot of three stars coming in there. In Oregon, yeah, they made the playoffs. They haven't won a national title. Uh, are we going to see a lot of that this year now? Guys are like, yeah, I did get that fifth year, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it makes a huge difference. I mean, what, I mean, this one extra year, it, it could be the difference between a guy being a, a free agent with a team for two weeks and getting cut and him getting drafted fourth, fifth, sixth round. You know, I think um, getting that extra year, that extra year of development, another right. year of training, being in the program, being with the same strength coaches. Um, I mean, yeah, I think it, it's going to add. I, I really think we're going to see the highest quality of college football that we've ever seen across right. the board at every conference. Um, I mean, if they're going to all take a step up in that way. I mean, it's going to be the closest, you know, close closest to the NFL that a college football season is ever going to have looked like because, I mean, you just – you got guys coming back. I mean – I was looking at, you know, Arizona State has all 11 offensive starters coming back with right. nine defensive guys. You know, here, here's Washington. They have 10 offensive starters coming back and eight defensive starters coming back. I mean, we, top to bottom, we've never seen that before. We've, we've never seen 85% of the teams returning 10 or more guys on the side of the ball. I mean, that, that just having all those starters returning and being together and that type of cohesion and stuff, it, I think is going to, I think it's going to, we're going to see a, a very high level of football this year. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a little bit different than the years past because of that extra year. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Do you think it's going to be some parody? Going to be some upsets? Yeah. You know, I, we're biased when it comes to like an Oregon state, but Oregon state, Arizona, Having this extra COVID guys coming back, I think you're going to see yeah. parity in a lot of close games, and even I mean, an upset or two. But we don't care about the upset; we care about them covering the spread. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, I think underdogs. I think any any big numbers you see in the Pac-12 this year, you 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 would want to start looking at that underdog. If you're seeing anything over a touchdown game, I mean, take a good look at the underdog this year because it's going to be it is going to be close and it's going to be the co level of coaching. The Pac-12 is really high. It's going to be very competitive right. um, games going down to the wire. So I would really, uh, you know, I wouldn't be taking teams with anyone in the pack. There's no one in the Pac-12 that I like covering 14 points, you know, 10 points off the bat. Just yeah, especially uh, road favorites. I'll be very skeptical of road favorites in the Pac-12. Yes. That's a great point. All right, so we'll start with Washington Huskies. Uh, we look at corporate governance, and I've been putting that in the episode notes. Uh, that's one of the key factors when you use fundamental analysis. It's always a big, in the financial world, it's always financial analysis versus technical analysis. Uh, you you got to exploit market inefficiencies always, you know, whether you're a financial or regular person. Uh, Nobody's ever gotten rich with technical analysis. People have gotten rich with fundamental analysis. So corporate governance is Jimmy Lake. Very interesting. Uh, he, uh, defensive back at Eastern Washington. He gets into coaching. He ends up coaching in the NFL. Uh, he starts coaching college. He's lights out as a recruiter. You got different type of coaches. You got SSNOs and recruiting guys. And you got guys that can do both. 
Uh, Jimmy Lake can do both. And he's now making $5 million a year as your head coach of the Washington Huskies. Uh, they got 80 career starts coming back on that offensive line. Eight on defense, 10 on offense. He hangs his hat as a defensive coach. Uh, his coordinator hires are pretty solid. He's got uh, – uh, he's a Chris Peterson disciple. Chris Peterson's class, 100%. John Donovan. John Donovan comes out of that Nick Saban, Bill O'Brien tree. He's your offensive coordinator. And really, Jimmy Lake is his own defensive coordinator, really. Kind of a control freak. Uh, but he's put a lot of uh, defensive backs in the NFL. He's gone to L.A., Recruited a lot of defensive back. Did you train with a Washington uh, defensive back this year? Yeah, Elijah Molden. He's balling out for the Titans right now, man. He's having himself a, a awesome preseason. I mean, he's probably going to start. And man, a kid might be damn rookie of the year the way he's playing right now. He's uh, he's out of his mind. But yeah, he's. I mean, yeah, and they are they they are putting putting out studs. That's for sure. And he's a All DB right. guy up there. You know, like he said, former college DB himself. So now I'm in running with Washington, uh, knowing Jimmy Lake's philosophy. Jimmy Lake, he sounded like Herman Edwards. He's going to put it on the defense, right? So that means he has a big lead at halftime. They're going to go vanilla on offense. Yeah. Not going to cover big spreads. Exactly. And you teams came back on them. And in a COVID year, uh, you know, they went three and one. They were one and three against the spread, though. Right, exactly. And we were three and one picking against him against the spirit because of his culture philosophy. Yeah. So I think too, so if you look at uh you know, like you talked about earlier in the show with Washington kind of being that borderline blue blood program in the Pac twelve. Right. Um, I mean you look at they had a first year coach in their first game against Oregon State and they're minus fourteen points, right? right. They won twenty seven, twenty one. Um those type of I mean with Lake, his style, like you just said, and then um, just I think the market, they kind of throw that little, like you said, they kind of view Washington a little more, I think, towards the blue blood than the development. Right. Um, you could, you know, that's a market inefficiency. They're they're overvaluing Washington based off that. Um, and, and you saw that all. Um, you know, they, had, they played Arizona. They were minus 11. That was one they did cover, but Arizona, they had a rough year last year. They were probably like – Yeah, Arizona oh. was horrible. And do yeah. you know anything of what's going on with uh, Sumlin? Because there's something weird going on because his last couple of years at Texas A&M and his tenure at Arizona, like half the roster would quit. Yeah, I don't know, but something's going on for sure. Something's going on with that, man. He's fired now. fired from both jobs and a lot of yeah. turnover and a lot of drama. Yeah, very weird, and I guess it's been covered up. But they, yeah, you can't throw those Arizona games out. They were, they're a disaster. Yeah, but yeah, Washington was favored in every game last year. You said minus fourteen against Oregon State, eleven minus eleven against Arizona. That was the one they covered. They were minus seven against Utah. They won that game by three. They did not cover. They were minus eleven against Stanford. They lost that game by five points outright. So. Yeah, um, and that philosophy caught up with him because, you know what, uh, Shaw, the, the Pac-12 has great coaches. Shaw is a Hall of Fame coach, man, in my opinion. Yeah. Because Stanford, uh, you know, you have to have like a 5.0 grade point average, right? You have to be in, in uh, 
gifted classes and have that extra grade point average to go there. So he has to be very selective in recruiting and has to do a great job in the weight room, developing guys. And then you have to be great at strategy. So an offensive guy, you're going to put it on the defense that came back to haunt him and actually Shaw beat him outright. He's won the Pac-12. Uh, he's being you see a lot, right? Uh, being up man. Mm-hmm. So that came back to bite him. Uh, he's going to go to Michigan September 11th. That screams under all day. Both yeah. teams are going to try to run it. Same thing with Cal, right? Looks like an under game. October 2nd, Oregon State, man. Hopefully your brother's starting. Yep. I think that Michigan game, too, um, that East Coast bias a little bit. Maybe, uh, you know, if right. like Washington's laying a big number with, with all that running going on, you know, those an understyle game, when you start getting 10, 14 point spreads, uh, you start really liking the underdog. Yeah, Harbaugh's complaining about the emission standards in Michigan. He, he doesn't, you know, he's saying he can't recruit all the guys who go to Ohio State. All you yeah. need is a 2.0 to go to Ohio State. Michigan is becoming a better academic school. So, I say that because Washington, uh, their roster, man for man, uh, Michigan, right? The East Coast body time. Michigan does not have a superior roster than Washington, per se. No. no. And I think they're going to be valued as having a significantly better roster. Right. So, yeah, that'll be an interesting line to look at. I think uh, I, if I, if you, if, I mean, if I'm just throwing a number like 14 out there or something, I mean, I, I like I like Washington plus 14 and and under in a game like that for sure. Yeah, if you get 15, you know, uh, you get that extra number because you know, a game like that, right? Both teams are keeping things in their back pocket for, you know, for the yeah. league games. Exactly, they're gonna be so, vanilla screams under. Right, right. Screams the under, and then it's like 14-7. Washington's driving, right? And uh, quarterback throws a pick six. <laughs> right? And you're plus 14, you either push, or if you got, you know, plus 13. So you got to look at those key numbers and try to get maybe a plus 15, Washington at Michigan. Or you got to think now with sports being illegal in the Midwest, but it used to happen anyways during the Vegas days, late money coming in on Michigan. And remember, Michigan has the largest alumni group. Yep. So they're rolling to Vegas with blindly betting Michigan, whatever the line is, they don't care. Yeah, so, so you probably would want to wait on that one. I bet, like you said, those alumni, if it, if it comes out at 13 – or 13 and a half or 12, those alumni are probably going to bet it up. You'll probably get yourself a 15 before kickoff. Right. And uh, I'll give you a spoiler. The only Pac-12 game on Saturday is Hawaii at UCLA. I'm taking the Rainbows plus 18. There you go. UCLA has to put things in their back pocket for LSU next week. Yep. And getting into uh, the Pac-12. And really – Hawaii should be able to recruit at a Pac-12 level. Yeah. Okay, guys who got kicked out of Pac-12 schools or whatever. Yeah, I agree. And, and they and they can, man, being in UCLA is a great recruiting uh, tool for them. Oh, yeah, that's they, re- they recruit half their team from Southern California. So, yeah, I mean, it's a 
it's a lot bigger game for Hawaii than it is for UCLA. And I mean, UCLA has been, you know, very average the last few years under Chip Kelly. They haven't been very impressive. So, you know, Chip Kelly's made the comment before, you know, they don't run the same offense they ran at Oregon. Um, you know, right. he runs a different concept now. And, you know, he, he, you know, the administration and stuff there is like, you know, why aren't you running that? He said, I don't have the athletes I had at Oregon. I'm not, rec- I'm not able to recruit the same talent right. that I had there that's why i can't run that offense i have to run something different based off my talent level here so um you know he's coming yeah, pissed off a lot of high school coaches in so california yeah yeah he's clearly said that so i mean i think i like that pick a lot i think uh i think they can compete to win that game outright honestly hawaii yeah yeah uh and thinking about sports betting too and treating it as an investment you look at your biases so now we're going to look at the Oregon ducks uh, Mario Cristobal is Cuban, right? So be mind to set a root for Cuban coaches. However, he is doing a good job. Uh, he won national titles with Nick Saban in Alabama as their offensive line coach. Uh, he was on those Miami teams for the Rock. I don't think he won a national championship with a rank number one. He might have won a national championship 89-90 as a player at Miami. Uh, he coached at FIU. He did a great job. Then some knucklehead AD wanted FIU to be in the playoffs. And like, no, man, this guy's going in four for you. So he goes to Alabama. Then he becomes the uh, offensive line coach at Oregon with uh, Willie Taggart, who was a coach at USF, where I went to school, where I graduated from. Uh, then he went to Florida State. So he went uh, USF to Oregon. He brings in Mario Cristobal as the offensive uh, coordinator. It was weird because he left. Uh, Saban plays good, so he, but Oregon paid him just as much. So he got paid. Uh, it was a lateral move, but he got more responsibility. He became the offensive coordinator at uh, Oregon, making $1.2 million, uh, the same he made as an offensive line coach at Alabama. Uh, Willie Taggart takes off Florida State, and uh, it was a disaster for Willie Taggart at Florida State. But Mario Cristobal becomes the head coach. Uh, he's done a great job with corporate governance. He has Joe Moorhead as the offensive coordinator. He's the one that uh, got Penn State in the Rose Bowl, and then he became the head coach of Mississippi State. Uh, it's a round peg in a square hole guys from the northeast he's down in the south it was a disaster he couldn't uh, integrate people didn't like it. this yankee coming in there but he's a great uh offensive coordinator he's the office coordinator uh the defensive coordinator is tim deruder uh, he did a great job at cal their defense was lights out and he was a former head coach of fresno state from uh 2012 2016 he did a good job at Fresno State, man. It's as good as you can do there. Uh, Bobby Williams, long-time NFL uh, Satan or Saban must have done something to piss him off because he's, he, he's been with Saban, man, for 30 years. But Byron Cristobal brings him to Oregon. He's a special teams coach. So he's done a great job uh, recruiting, right? They give him knocks on uh, X's and O's, but he knows his place. He knows he's an offensive line coach. He's gotten a lot of these guys in the NFL from Oregon. They're 
offensive line averages 6'5", 322. So the blue blood part of them is that their offensive line is always going to be good because coach can coach them up, and they're recruiting five, four or five stars, right? They return nine on offense, seven on defense. In uh, Pac-12, a title game, I didn't bet it because I'm biased, but he outcoached Gomer Health. <laughs> and USC had a, a superior roster, had things going. He outcoaches him, and he wins the, the Pac-12 uh, title. Uh, the game in Ohio State is going to be interesting. Remember, we got, we got Minnesota, right? Plus mm-hmm. – 18 at home. I don't know. It's crazy lines. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, mean, I looked at, at uh, Minnesota and I looked at Miami. They don't have like major injuries or reasons for them to, to be faster and exaggerated lines. So uh, let's see what happens. Uh, at Ohio State, then they get into that Pac 12 schedule. And I agree with uh, Chad. All these games are going to be very close. Yeah. I mean, even Chip Kelly at UCLA. Chip Kelly um, took a team to the playoffs and was an NFL head coach, right? So what that means is he's going to have his team prepared and he's going to have something up his sleeve uh, in that game. The same thing goes for all the coaches in the, in the Pac-12, except for me, that guy at Washington State who's kind of a lunatic. But uh, I, I see Oregon, man, on the rise. You, what are your thoughts on the Oregon Ducks? Chad, um, man, kind of similar to to Washington in the fact that I think that um, they're like a true like a blue blood per se of the Pac-12. Um, I think they're gonna have some inflated lines off their name this year, and I think right. it's gonna be very competitive. Mario Cristobal as a head coach for the Ducks in the last four years, he's twenty-two and twenty-five against the spread. He's forty-six point eight percent. So if you just faded him, you'd be right at about fifty. 54, 53, 54%. Profit, right? Because you see 2.5%. Yeah. So blindly fading him has been profitable. Um, You know, I don't think you ever want to do that. You always want to do your research. But with that being said, big lines, I think, this year that Oregon, especially on the road, like you said, like that road favorite. um, At Stanford, October 2nd. Yeah. I don't care what record Stanford has. Shaw, man, Shaw outcoaches people. And then the style of play, right? Uh, He has a big offensive line. He's going to run it. Keep the game under control. I'm looking to fade Oregon in games where they have big lines, especially a competitive game like an Oregon State, a Civil War, big game, but, you know, a 14-point, you know, that's what they were 13-and-a-half last year, 14. Something that big in a game that big, I'm looking to fade fade Oregon – and, and play, you know, the the long term of, of how Crystal Ball has been against the spread. And I think that that 46.8% against the spread, I think a lot of that's due to just inflated numbers that they get week in and week out because of, you know, their blue blood kind of name in the Pac-12 and their their past success. Yeah, the way people are, you know, all parts of the country are different. But the way people are in Oregon, they're getting on Crystal Ball because he doesn't have the blur or like a really excited offense, but the man is winning. And just like Jimmy Lake puts it on the defense, he puts it on the offensive line because that's what he coaches. Uh, that's where he's getting all the NFL guys, right? He puts it on the offensive line. 
and that doesn't lead to covering us is the Shad man did his research got those numbers on there so it's not going to be Justin Herbert he had no more pick as quarterback right and he handed off a lot <laughs> you know and, yep. and he, he did things to protect the lead right businessmen and women think long term salesmen think short term so he always has a long view and the man's won uh, he won I think four national titles on the Alabama staff. So best advice, man. You can't get it anywhere else on the Oregon Ducks. Then we, we talk about the offer mentioned Stanford Cardinal. Uh, they're supposed to be down, but again, it's a style of play. It's a strategy. They have eight coming back on defense, six coming back on offense. And only 44 uh, returners on the offensive line. Uh, David Shaw is a hardball disciple. When, uh, you know, Harbaugh had a rolling in Stanford, his dad played in the NFL. Uh, he takes an NFL approach, right, to be different. Control the game with the offensive line. Even though they've thrown it a lot more lately, they throw it to the tight end. They have a tight end. They have a fullback, which a lot of teams don't practice against. Yeah. And he's great at corporate governance. He's lights out with his uh, coordinators. A lot of his coordinators have become uh, head coaches somewhere else. Uh, this year, he has Lance Anderson to defensive coordinator. He was at University of San Diego, 0-5-0-6 under Harbaugh. This is all Harbaugh family tree. They all got the same agent. They all go to uh, clinics in the offseason to run that defense. Hey, you can't argue. They won a Super Bowl with your Baltimore Ravens. Right? Uh, special teams coach has been there 10 years. So there's a lot of stability here. But uh, the fact that they, he's like uh, Cristobal and focuses on the offensive line, uh, they have four and five stars on the offensive line, right? And it's funny because naturally, I remember talking to a big uh, Wisconsin alumni, uh, big Wisconsin uh, booster. He always talked about a great point average of offensive linemen. <laughs> so offensive linemen are naturally smart. So it's not a big a deal for him to get four or five starts in that offensive line. So nope. I, I look at them as a 500 team. Uh, yeah, but above 500 against the spread, I would say. Yeah. Which, I yeah. like Shaw a lot. Yeah, but when they're going good and they get a big line, they don't cover. But as dogs, man, you made me a lot of money as a dog. That, that's exactly what I was about to get into right now. So Shaw, as a head coach, um, he is 69-53 and 53 against the spread in 11 years at Stanford. Hmm. So 69 and 53, that's pretty profitable. What is that? That'll be out of 122. Yeah, usually those statistics are the opening line, right? And mm -hmm. what we do is uh, I'm going to make sure I email it to you, and I'll put it in the episode, the links to uh, this guy in the market that he made $39 billion, and all he did was take advantage of market inefficiency. Yeah. So, so that you see a David Shaw line and you see it go past the key number. Yeah. 
take it. So Shaw is 56.5% in 11 years at his career at Stanford. So blindly taking Shaw, he's he's above, he's 4% above our break-even part, Mark. And um, like you said about him as an underdog, he's incredible as an underdog. Last year as an underdog, either even or a dog. An even or, or a dog, he was 4-1 and one against the spread um, at, as a dog. We were four and one too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, because you think yeah, about but, it, right? So he's fifty six percent with the opening number. Now you add the factor of the line going yeah. up. Yeah, and you're probably sitting at sixty five percent, just take, blindly taking Shaw with the best number you can get. Right. Exactly. So we loved, like you said, Stanford as a team. Um, you mentioned, I think, was it w- w- against Oregon? You said if. Uh, if Oregon's laying a big number to Shaw there at Stanford, you like Stanford a lot, and that that one laying right. some points to cover. Uh, we like we like Stanford as a dog. They're probably going to be about a 500 team this year, but look at them to be two or three games above 500 against the spread. So you pick those those underdog spots correctly, you can make yourself a lot of money with with Shaw and the great coach that he is, and he uh, he he will do well as a dog. And not only did he go four and one um, against the spread. As a dog, he won four out of – he was four and one outright in those games. They actually right. won those games. It wasn't just they covered. They were dogs in five games, and they won four games outright as dogs. I think that speaks to the coach that he is, oh, yeah. um, like you said. I think he's uh, an awesome coach. What yeah, he's done no. in Stanford, you know, winning Pac-12 championships, yeah, getting Heisman Trophy, got, you know, guys that should have been. Heisman yep. Trophies, McCafferty, Gephardt. Yes, sir. Yeah, no, the, their style of play, they, they they always have a shot in the fourth quarter, and, and he cashed in last year, winning outright. So that is your Stanford Cardinal. Now, your Washington State Cougars. One and three last year. I, I thought they, they had a lot of uh, enthusiasm and spirit last year. Uh, let me see here. Uh, the coach, I kind of liked him. Uh, said he kind of went off the deep end this year with everything that's going on with COVID. Uh, he had a Black Lives Matter issue as well. Nick uh, Rolovich he came from Hawaii. He's a very, very creative offensive guy. Uh, they got eight coming back on offense, 10 on defense. And they were a serviceable defense last year. Uh, getting some guys back if they're serious and, and they're focused on improving, they should be better on defense. But uh, 80% of the team is vaccinated. He was forced by the governor to vaccinate. Uh, I don't think he's going to get the cost by the rest. It's going to be a problem. They got 80, 68 career starts return on the offensive line, right? Uh, they run basically a run and shoot. They have to do because it's hard to recruit up there. Pullman, Washington. Uh, they saw he's had you know they say the people that make the most money, they have emotional control. He has emotional issues, right? He, one year he has you know Black Lives Matter issues. Second year he has COVID issues. You got to look at that. Uh, his coordinators are cronies of his guys he's worked with, which is okay. But sometimes that doesn't work out, right? And he has money, right? They, 
You got good money to pay for assistance there at Washington State. Uh, the jury's out on them. They got enough guys coming out of the line. They got guys coming back on defense. Uh, they open up Washington State, Portland State. I mean, Utah State, Portland State, then you'll see. I think they're going to be all right, but if they hit a losing streak, things could go south fast for these guys. Yeah. What are your your thoughts on the Washington State Cougars? Yeah, I think they have the most potential to kind of just have downward spiral to be one of the the worst teams in the Pac-12 for sure. I think you said talent-wise they're going to be at a slight disadvantage. Um, You know, but – That Utah State game is a big game for them. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, they're they're gonna, you know, even if they are, um, you know, one or two or three win team this year, um, they're they're gonna be around five hundred against the spread. They're probably gonna be underdogs in, I would say, every if not maybe one or two, they might not be of their Pac twelve games this year. They're right. probably gonna be an underdog in every game Pac twelve. So, so they always um, cover. Yeah, they, they're gonna cover half those exact. So you USC, got, you got, right? Because you yeah. see. People in Biloxi, Mississippi, are just betting USC blindly the name. Oh, they're playing Washington State at home. So they should cover USC because USC has bigger fish to fry. They're they're holding back plays for Notre Dame. They're holding back plays for Arizona State. They're holding back plays for UCLA. So they're going to play vanilla basic football, right, and just out-talent Washington State. Washington State's going to throw the kitchen sink at USC because a win against USC again helps in recruiting, get some LA guys. Yeah, their quarterback situation to Washington State's interesting. They had the true freshman that started last year for them, Delora. Um, you know, he, he was he was pretty surprisingly good. He could run, he throw pretty good. A true freshman, I, I mean, I liked him. I think he's got a lot of potential. They did bring in like Garantano from Tennessee. He has thirty career right. starts at Tennessee, um, so that adds some depth there to that position. You know, they got two guys. Um, um, you know, what with this COVID year, we're just seeing more depth everywhere. But that, I mean, that, right. that, I like that depth of the quarterback position there. They got two guys, and I mean, usually it's going to, you know, yeah. help them push each other, compete. Um, two spots, you know, I think Pullman. Um, oh, I guess never mind. They got Arizona State at Arizona State, but uh, Arizona, November 19th, up in Pullman. Uh, November 19th is going to be a cold, it's going to be cold up in Pullman. Right. Um, a team like Arizona, who's a bottom half team. Yeah, they're going to be checked uh, out by then. Be checked out by then. That might be a really good spot in that kind of weather. Um, uh, that second to last game of the year for Washington State, maybe that, that's kind of my, my my pick of the year for Washington State uh, in that game. You know, At even, Washington, too, it depends what's going on. Yeah. But if Washington, you know, uh, thinking about the playoffs or yeah. uh, the Pac-10 Pac-12 championship game – could be another situation where you know Washington State's throwing the kitchen sink at them. Yeah, and that rivalry game. If we got a lot of points, we like the underdogs, and like we talked about the Oregon Oregon State game. You know, you got a fourteen right. point line in a rivalry game like that. You know, the, in this season and everything that's going on, we're looking to take that underdog in those in those types of philosophies games. of the coaches, right? Because Cristobal is going to run it with a lead in the second half. Same yep. thing with Jimmy Lake. Yep, exactly. Both the coaches, their corporate, the corporate governance, uh, right are both coaches that are not built to cover big spreads. So definitely, uh, especially in games like that, I think it, it'll even come to the forefront even more because they're just trying to get those wins and get on home. 
Yeah. So Washington State team, that's the team you have to do your research on, right? Because the uh, wild card, they can go either way. Uh, a guy who's done a lot better as a coach than most people thought is Justin Wilcox. But he actually coached for Alvarez at Wisconsin, uh, defensive guru, won a national championship with Lou Holtz and Tommy Carter, who I went to high school with, second to DeMarie Smith at Notre Dame, uh, Alvarez. He taught this guy, Justin Wilcox, defense. Uh, he coached at Boise State with Peterson, uh, Bill Musgrave, former NFL I think it was like an interim head coach or something, but he was a long-time offensive coordinator in the NFL. He's the offensive coordinator. Peter Simon is the co-defensive coordinator. But again, Justin Wilcox is like Jimmy Lake. Really, they're a lot alike, right? They're both specialized in DBs. They put a lot of DBs in the NFL. And they're their own uh, defensive coordinator. Even Sometimes they put the headset on. But even if he doesn't have the headset, he did all the game planning during the week. Right. Uh, and he's done well. The problem he's had has been on offense. So Bill Musgrave should be able to fix that. Uh, they return to see your quarterback, Garbers. If he can keep himself healthy, they do well. Uh, they have, for a team like Cal, who's always – pretty much been a developmental team except those years where the Rodgers was on there, Telford. Telford was a great coach, man. He takes teams that are like three and nine and then makes them, uh, you know, 12 and one. Uh, but yeah, Cal, unless they have a good coach, they don't do well. And he's got, again, playing that defensive style. He's got him in games. Uh, we got Solid group returning. Well, let's see how many starts they have on that offensive line. Because the more football people play, uh, it helps them not get blown out. All right, so uh, their center has 18 career starts. Right guard, 12. Left guard, 13 starts. Actually, he has 16 starts. Right tackle, 10, 21. And uh, left tackle, most important position, 6'5". He's light, man. 6'5", 285. Uh, that's not good. He only has three starts, so the most important position left tackle. No wonder the quarterback gets hurt all the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, they got nine coming back on offense, nine coming up on defense. Again, uh, when they did the Big Ten, they're, they're just teams that are just the same, really. Uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, Purdue. They all have the same struggles, right? And, and that's, a, that's the thing with Cal. They're right in the middle. But again, it's a defensive coach uh, who's not going to cover spreads. I don't know who's crazy enough getting point, uh, trying to lay points with Cal. <laughs> yeah. What you got to do is you got to think of, okay, he's a great defensive coach. He's going to come up with a game plan. He's going to keep the game close. He's not going to get blown out. Right? He got USC at home. 
uh, Nevada, September 4th. Uh, that's a game that Nevada's always covered for me. Let's see if there's a line on that. Because again, Nevada could just throw the kitchen sink at Cal. Cal has to beat Stanford and get bigger fish to fry during the season. Uh, at TCU, it's going to be interesting. Uh, TCU is behind the eight ball. They got to get into a conference now. So this game is very important to TCU. I don't know how important this game is to Cal. At TCU. Yeah. No, because TCU is a team that potentially could be coming to the Pac-12 um, in recent talks. So right. I definitely think they want to be competitive and, and, and uh, do as well as they can against Cal um, just for, for their say, entering the Pac-12. Right. I think Cal, Cal, I think, is a team, is a, is a wild card team. I think they – I mean, you saw them last year. They went one in three, and their one win was against the dang Pac-12 champion. Right. So, um you know, with that being said, they, they, they're going to be a, a, a high-variable team, I think. Uh, uh, interesting, they open up with Washington, Washington State, two winnable Pac-12 games for them. Right. Um, they can get those two wins, you know, then they're, they uh, are going into Oregon, you know, a team that they beat last year, 2-0 uh, and in the Pac-12. So it will be um, interesting to see how it plays out. I think Garber's a legit quarterback. Um, if they can get, you know, they got, got enough returners. I could see that team, um, that, you know, kind of grinding out wins. Like you said, they're not going to cover big numbers. Uh, I think they're pretty – they're going to be a live dog, laying big numbers. I think they're going to win a couple games outright as underdogs for sure. Um, so, yeah, man, I think, I think Cal is a team that could, uh, you know, watch them early on, seeing them at Nevada, TCU. Those games will give us a lot of insight. But I do think that um, – But, that but Cal- let's say – let's say – let's say they lose in a while. Uh-huh. They get blown out at TCU. Yep. They beat Sacramento State. That line in Washington is going to be skewed, especially with style of play, two defensive coaches. Yep. If you see uh, Washington plus 22, I'm going Cal. You mean you mean Washington minus 22? Yeah, minus 22. Yeah. Yeah, Cal, Cal yeah. plus 22. Cal as a big underdog is going to be live in that game. I think I like him. Right, because fifteen he, down to fifteen, I like I like Cal a lot in that game. Yeah, because just salesmen think short term, businessmen and women think long term. Like those game plans at TCU in Nevada is not what Washington's gonna see. <laughs> they, no. they can throw that film away, right? Yeah, exactly. So, and you look at the game they won last year, uh, 21-17, right? Chris mm-hmm. of all being hard headed. Hard-headed Cuban, probably didn't want to throw it. Wanted to run down Cal's throw. We're gonna, you know, and Cal's a defensive team. They're to run stop, uh, stop the run first. Right? Oh, we're gonna wear him down. No, he didn't wear him down. They beat you, <laughs> yeah. right? So uh, he's a great strategist. Knows how to do more with less. Justin Wilcox, corporate governance. Now, our favorite team in the Pac-12. He's going to wear the hat. There we go. Oregon State. Beaver Nation, baby. Uh, Love the effort they had last year against uh, Washington. 
I really like the effort. Uh, like the coach, Jonathan Smith, Keith Erickson guy, knows off it. So Oregon State's going to score, right? Uh, 28, 21, 31, 41, 24, 24, 33. So nope. Oregon State is going to score. They got 10 coming back on offense, 10 coming back on defense. And actually, I was watching some of the games last year, and it's one of those things, man, concentration. A lot They give up some big plays, just not lining up right. Uh, but that's with the fifth year and more experience coming back. Now you guys lining up on defense. It's just stop those big plays. All right. Now, they return 86. So that's a good number. So Jonathan Smith is learning from uh, Mr. Erickson. Remember, Erickson won a national championship, a couple of national championships at Miami. Uh, he has an experienced offensive coordinators, which you know well. I'll defer to you on that. Uh, now, very interesting. Tim DeBaser was uh, Wisconsin's outside linebackers coach from 15 and 17. So he knows Purdue and he knows the coach over there at Purdue Boilermakers first game of the season. So he's coached against them. He knows what to expect. And Purdue's got that first year defensive coordinator as well, I believe right. we had talked about. So it's a, it's a coordinator coach mismatch. Uh-huh. Because he's getting to learn uh, his players. Uh, again, right? We talked about Oregon State not lining up, right? Purdue's not going to line up right on one play. And crossing fingers, uh, Oregon State uh, takes advantage of it, right? So yeah. Chad and I can't bet Oregon State because the thing about sports betting is a business decision. You got to look at your biases, your unconscious and conscious biases. So we're skewed. We're biased towards uh, – Oregon State. With that being said, the same way I am with uh, USF, and I kind of root for Oregon to do well with the Cuban head coach. With that being said, I think Johnson Smith is a great young upcoming coach. I've I've seen him do more with less. Uh, They beat Cal. Uh, They beat Oregon last year, right? 41-38. Mm-hmm. So, Oregon has a primo defensive coordinator, and uh, Jonathan Smith and Chance Nolan Company hung 41 points on. So, they can score. The, the, the thing is getting that big stop and that big play on uh, defense. Uh, I sure wish Jamar Jefferson would have returned. Yeah. That was a little advice to go to the NFL. Yeah. But still, they're returning 10 on offense, 9 on defense. Chad's brother should be the starting quarterback. Uh, a lot of these games go over, right? So that that Oregon 41-38 game was an Oregon. So what yeah. are your thoughts on uh, Oregon State? Well, I think you were uh, right about Jonathan Smith doing, doing uh, more with less. And I think this is the most talent I think he's ever had as a head coach at Oregon State uh, with guys coming back, the amount of returners they have. I mean, their defense has got almost everyone coming back. The wide receivers and DBs are probably the best they've ever been competing all all summer and all uh, all fall camp at practice. Um, 
you know, the quarterback room, they got, ton, they got tons of depth. You know, they got, you know, my, my brother chance and they got a grad transfer, Sam Neuer, who was a second team, uh, you know, all pack 12 guy at Colorado. Right. Um, right. Tons of depth there. I mean, probably if you look at too deep in the pack 12, they probably have the best two deep quarterback in my opinion in the pack 12. Um, think they can be successful with both guys uh, I think my brother brings a little bit more of an edge with his uh, ability to run um, right. you, know, he pro- you know he probably will be the leading rusher if he does get the start um, he was the leading the- rusher last year second, second lead he was a second, second, leading, rusher second last year leading rusher with three games yeah that's it um, so yeah I, I really see him being the leading rusher if he does get um, you know that start so that that element he brings and he's not you know just a run guy he can throw it as well so yeah the offense has the potential to be super super dynamic um, and I think with all those guys returning, uh, their talent level, like I said, with with what Jonathan Smith is used to and what they're used to there at Oregon State, uh, it's up. It's it's the, one of the highest talent levels they've had. And I think that uh, you know they are looking to you know compete for that that Pac-12 North, you know, and be a contender to win that Pac-12 North. So I, uh, yeah, I, I like uh, I like overs with Oregon State, and uh, you know I think they're going to be a super live underdog this year. Um, you know, certain games where they're giving up. I mean, even, even, I mean, I know we're staying away from, from Oregon State, but even against Purdue, I mean, they're laying, you know, plus seven and a half, giving, you know, giving them a touchdown. I think, I think games like that, um, giving Oregon State a touchdown when they're equal talents, maybe better talent with the coaching advantages they have in that game. Um, right. You know, they're going to be successful. This is where ESPN is our friend with uh, East Coast bias. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Purdue's, Purdue's not world beaters. So that's your Oregon State Beaver. It's going to be an exciting season. I, I really was impressed with uh, the effort last year, the enthusiasm and stuff like that. It, when you're a program like uh, Oregon State, that's really important. Now we got uh, the USC Trojans. Uh, this, pro- this program has been in decline because of uh, Clay Helton. Uh, Clay Helton is a really, really nice guy. He gets out coached a lot, and when you're blue blood, uh, you get great talent. So you can win just with talent, but a guy like Nick Saban develops the blue bloods, uh, develops the five stars, like if he was a developmental program. You know, Wisconsin's they do a great job with that. Now Notre Dame. Now it's important because Notre Dame, uh, their program was in decline, and they hired a strength and conditioning coach to change the program around. And USC got his assistant, which people were shocked. Oh, man, you got the assistant or your enemy, right? You got the assistant uh, strength and conditioning coach. Really, the strength and conditioning coach, they were in the program for about four months. The coaches are allowed to talk to them. And then you got PRPs, uh, player run practices. So that's a big change in USC. he, Clay Helton was going to get fired, but he has a $20 million buyout. So what the athletic director did says, hey, I'm going to take control of everything. So the athletic director hired uh, uh, Orlando as the defensive coordinator and Graham Harrell to run the uh, – a lot of USC fans are mad about that because they like to sit by the left, sit by the right, to run the air raid. And the air raid did win the Super Bowl – with your Kansas City Chiefs, got to Super Bowl with the golf and uh, McVay. Uh, but 
not having a tight end or fullback, they've had major issues inside the 20. So they're going to have to figure that out. They're going to have to score uh, going in. Last year, they get upset by Oregon. Oregon's one. The, they're out recruiting him in L.A. And they beat him last year. Last year, USC had a clear talent advantage. Five games they won last year was just pure talent. The Arizona State game, they should have lost. They won on a Hail Mary, caught by uh, Drew McCoy, I think is his name. He was a big star. Five guys kept talking, talking, talking about him. Goes to Texas, he comes back. Oh, Drew McCoy's back. Now he's been kicked out of the team for domestic violence. Sad story. I hate uh, reading stuff like that. You, they got eight guys on offense, eight guys on defense, but it doesn't matter because they have so much talent. And then uh, they got the number one overall high school guy on their defensive line. Uh, their offensive line can't push people off the ball, which should not be the case. So that's why that strength and conditioning coach is there. They have 75 career starts coming back. Uh, slow this. He's kind of the anointed one. Uh, Graham Harrell is friends with uh, Kurt Werner in Arizona. And from eighth grade, they've been grooming this guy. And wouldn't it be something if uh, JT Daniels wins the national championship at Georgia? <laughs> mm-hmm. Because JT Daniels gets hurt and they put Slovis in there, kicking him out. Uh, it's Slovis. He does not impress me. He, he reminds me of... Um, I forgot his name. He took the Chicago Bears to the Super Bowl, but he was a Florida quarterback. He's more of a system guy, I think. He doesn't yeah. really impress me. They say he has a hurt shoulder. That's why he doesn't get it in there. Uh, he lost a BYU game with an ill-advised interception. So, I don't know. Not impressed. Uh, the defense is going to be a lot better because uh, Tarolando is more aggressive. Uh USC gets those inflated lines. You go the other way and you make a lot of money. Yep. Took the words right out of my mouth. That was about my only point. But yeah, I think uh, yeah, Slovis is overrated, like you said. I think he's unanimously like everyone has him as the top Pac-12 quarterback. But I mean, in my opinion, in my preseason polls, he's probably my number three or four guy in the Pac-12 coming. I would in. pick your brother because your brother can run. Remember the key statistic, right? Analytics doesn't work in football. But key statistics do. If a quarterback can make three first downs with his legs, they win 70% of the time. Yeah. And Slowly just has a really uh, frail. He's been hurt so often. He doesn't yeah. run. Yeah. And uh, like you said, I mean, USC with those, with their name and blue blood and their talent level, they're going to get some inflated lines. Um, you know, I'm not, they're going to win some games. Like you said, they have the best talent. They're going to be a, one of the top teams for sure. But um, against the spread, against big inflated lines, look at that USC and and the public betting them up. I mean, they're going to come out with inflated lines. The public's going to bet them up. I think you look, you're looking for those spots where you want to go the other way against USC because they're not, they're not out here going to be, like I said, the Pac-12 is going to be very competitive this year. They're not going to be blowing teams out by 20 or 30 points week in and week out. We're not going to see that. It's going to be competitive, you know, seven out of the seven to eight out of their 10 games are going to be super competitive. Right. Down to the down to the last possession. So 
Yeah, September 11th at Stanford, they've always had a clear talent advantage against Stanford. And Stanford, I think Clay Helton has a losing record against David Shaw. Wow. You know, uh, at Colorado. And they're going to be, yeah, especially like that, that USC has that road favorite, like we talked about earlier in the show, that road favorite spot. USC is probably going to have a couple of them this year that we, we we're going to look to go the other way. Yeah. And it's come from inside the program, right? Where the prep last uh, strength and conditioning coach, one of the reasons Adventist he got fired was because he was very upset how players were laughing after a loss. Him coming from the South, from Tennessee, you don't do that. After a loss, and they're laughing on the bus or whatever. Uh, so these road games, uh, you always got to look at their mental toughness and uh, their their concentration, right? At Colorado, uh, Arizona State's going to be a big game. At Cal, you got to look at that. And then uh, the 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 I want to call it the run and shoot, but the you know. The, uh, that offense they have, uh, Jimmy Lake, uh, Justin uh, Wilcox of the world, they shut down that offense down. So, North 13th at Cal. You got to look strong at Cal. And the under. That's the other yep. thing, too. Uh, a lot of inflated lines to the over with your USC Trojans. Uh, mm. They can sleepwalk to 9-3, I guess. If there's a 12-team playoff, it would favor them because they get into the playoffs. That's what they're looking at, but uh, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. They, I mean, they can lose at Washington State, right? They're going to lose some random game. Yeah. It's already locked in, right? There's only four. It's a four-team playoff again this year, right? They have yeah, it's four teams it. this year. Yeah, okay. Yeah, especially they, they shut things down with uh, Oklahoma and Texas. Mm-hmm. Now, a developmental program that does really well is your Utah Utes. They return 10 on offense, 9 on defense. Their claim to fame, uh, Justin Wilcox and Jimmy Lake's defensive backs. Kyle Winningham, who says he's worked out for seven straight years in a row, 17th year head coach. Uh, he was a defensive coordinator for Urban Meyer back in the day, the undefeated Alex Smith team. Uh, you got to look for them. You got to look at their – he does a great job with roster management. All these guys that are good development do a great job with roster Management and development. So that old line has 99 career starts. Good there. Uh, their defensive line, they have to take a step back, even though they always have at least one NFL guy, just because they had uh, three NFL draft choices uh, last year, the year before, right? So there has to be some sort of drop-off, but they're still going to be pretty good. Defensive style. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has emotional control issues. He keeps firing He's like George Steinbrenner in a way. He keeps firing offensive coordinators. Every year has a different one. Andy Ludwig is back for a second year. Uh, for a second stint, he was fired once by Willie. <laughs> now he's back. Uh, he's a good uh, coordinator. He was at Vanderbilt, did a good job. He did a good job at Wisconsin, Alvarez again. Uh, so their offense should be okay. Uh, Six-year uh, defensive coordinator, uh, Morgan Scally, and again, uh, Kyle Willingham is a hardcore Mormon control freak. So he's his own defensive coordinator. This guy is defensive coordinator only. Maybe he's a good recruiter. 
But uh, Cal Winningham is running that defense. Again, this is a, a middling team. They could beat USC. At USC October 9th, they could definitely beat them. But then they could turn around and lose to Arizona or 13. Because they're the developmental, other developmental type type of program. Uh, it's hard for them to get over the hump because of that, right? In depth. Uh, yep. In, in the fact, so they always they beat good teams, but then they get randomly beat because them playing vanilla leaves them uh, exposed. Uh, at San Diego State, September the 18th, it's actually going to be in Carson. I'm going to try to make that game, and then I'm going to try to make the September 25th, or you say Beeper is at the Coliseum. But in Carson against San Diego State. Uh, definitely San Diego State has an edge in that, right? Because uh, Utah has bigger fish to fry. They got a conference team in Washington State, and then uh, October the 9th at USC, they always cover USC. Willingham always has a has a game plan dialed up, and out coaches uh, Gomer Helton. So they're good dog. Utah Great dog. Yeah. yeah, like Utah, I think their style this year is going to scream unders. Um, Think they're going right. to be a real big under team. Uh, defensively, they're going to be very good. I mean, they're returning Devin Lloyd, their middle linebacker, who played for them last year. Um, you know, my that was my brother's first start last year was against Utah. I mean, uh, Devin Lloyd was all over the field. I actually got a chance to train with him a few times this off season. Oh wow! He came out to our our pro group, um, and the kid. I mean, he's six five, two thirty, and he has legit four four type you know, get out in his first 10, 15 yards. I mean, the kid's going to be a first-round pick. He might be the number one linebacker to go this year. Um, he's going to be a f freak. Um, also, there, there's a corner, a true freshman that went to my high school, Elisha Lloyd. He's an amazing athlete. I don't know how much he's going to get in the mix this year. It looks like he's going to get in the mix a little bit. Uh, but down the road, he's going to be a stud too. So, I mean, they're, they're defensively, like you said, you hit on the head. They're going to be an elite defensive team. I think the unders, they're going to be a live dog, and unders are going to be big uh, for that for that team. So that's all I got for the Utes. Right. He's going to put it on the defense, which means under for us. Uh, next, we've got the, or the Arizona State Sun Devils. Got Herm Edwards. <clears throat> I remember uh, going to a Tampa Bay training camp maybe 30 years ago. I didn't know I was watching. Herman Edwards, defensive back coach. Lovey Smith is the linebackers coach. Tony Dungy is the head coach. Monty Kiffin is the defensive coordinator. Uh, uh, Tomlin was a defensive assistant. <laughs> wow. Crazy coaching staff at Tampa Bay. Uh, Marvin Luzes is a defensive coordinator here. Uh, and then Antonio Pierce is a recruiting defensive coordinator. Uh, they got a new uh, offensive coordinator, or second year, Zach Hill, former quarterback at uh, Nebraska. Sean Slocum, the son of RJ Slocum, the former head coach at Texas a and is the uh, special teams coach. He's in his seventh year because he was retained. He's really good at special teams. So Herm, Herm's all over the place, but he's – put it on your defense type guy, but he's not afraid to uh, get in a shootout. 
Yep. Especially on the road. Yep. Uh, if he has some injuries on defense, he, he's not afraid to get in a shootout. He's pragmatic the way it is. Now, they have a lot of talent. They recruited well. However, they're under investigation uh, by the NCAA. Uh, Antonio Pierce made some assistant coaches, some interns do some uh, nefarious activities. What does that mean to us? It means that they're not going to get the call. Just like uh, Texas and Oklahoma are not going to get the call in the Big 12, they're not going to get the call, right, because of this NCAA stuff. That's just the way it is. That's the way it, it always is. Rear starts in the offensive line is 47, right? So for a guy that likes to put it on the defense and control the ball, he only has 47 turning. That's going to be a problem early in the season, but Southern Utah, you know, they should be able to handle pretty easily. At BYU, that's what's going to be the problem in the altitude. And then they go Colorado. They go BYU, Colorado, UCLA, Stanford, Utah. So I'm looking at BYU to cover. Colorado is in Tempe, but at UCLA, at Utah, at Washington, and at the Oregon State Beavers. Yeah, we even talked about that Arizona game, too, that uh, if Arizona State's contending to, you know, win a title and they're kind of looking past uh, Arizona and Arizona's season's kind of down and out, you know, that's, that's a bigger – you know, they beat them 70-7. to 7. They embarrassed them last year. Right. You know – all those kids are turning, you know, that they're trying to get that taste out of their mouth. So, I mean, if you got a big spread, you know, 21 points or something like that, you know, I don't, I don't think Arizona state's going to cover, cover that, that one. Right. Big spread yeah. With a lead. Yeah. With a lead Marvin Lewis. And then we got to put it on the defense. That's what he did yeah. in Cincinnati. We covered <laughs> just did yeah. the same thing. Now, did your brother play in that game? Yes, he did. That was his last start of the year. Yeah. They got in a shootout. He got he hung 33 points on an NFL defensive coordinator, man. Yeah, the defense couldn't stop anyone. Dudes were running wide open. DBs were running into each other, falling down. The receivers wide open down the field. It was, yeah, it was no, rough. Uh, things that go south, though, because it, when you when you lead by emotion like, the, the way he does, things that go south. I mean, things that go rah, 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 they get some muscle, but things that go south, right? Yeah, or, or Arizona State I like as an over team this year. Think they're going to get in some shootouts, like you said. Herm doesn't mind playing the shootouts. Kind of maybe more of an offensive guy. I think we're going to see a lot of overs. I think that Arizona State Oregon State game is going over just off the rip. Right, the, right. Well, you got eleven guys returning on defense. I think the big games. You're at Washington. They don't play USC this year, but at Utah and at Washington, and those are defensive-minded guys. Yeah, those will go under. But then, yeah. Washington State, you know, teams that, that Herm doesn't maybe doesn't have the respect for, uh, those games are definitely going to go because he doesn't yep. mind getting a shootout. Exactly. But that's your honor. Sun Devils are not going to get the call. Big games under, random games over. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly's like 11 and 30 at uh, UCLA. Uh, he... As we talked about earlier, he's not uh, recruiting well. Uh, he's bringing in a lot of transfers, even though he returns 10 on defense and 10 on offense. Uh, DLR, man, he's wild. Very, very, very inconsistent. I actually thought Felton was a better quarterback for them. 
running that offense. Uh, his friend is a defensive coordinator, and he's horrible. Uh, Jerry and Isario, he's, I think, childhood friend, knows him for 30 years. That's the only reason he's there. But he's a horrible defensive coordinator. Chip Kelly doesn't care because he thinks he can, he's smarter than everybody, and he can uh, uh, outscore him. Yeah, get him a shootout. I mean, he was he was 40 and 7 at Oregon. That but that was because Bilotti. Bilotti had set up that program. You know, Dan Dixon and all that, which you're familiar with. And then Chip Kelly comes in and he does good on top of that. But then he goes to the NFL, he's 28 and 35, and now he's like 11 and 30 at uh UCLA. Yep. Uh they they're upgraded talent. Uh, they got more depth coming back. They got some good transfers coming in. But uh, Chip Kelly treats uh, non-conference games almost like preseason games. Uh, maybe the new athletic director, maybe get him to change his mind. August 20th at Hawaii. That's the one game this weekend. Yeah. Uh, I'm going, you know, it's 17 and a half. I'm going Hawaii plus 18. Yeah. LSU. Yeah. It's going to be interesting because LSU has talent, but it's young talent. Uh, UCLA will be playing. Now, how much of an advantage is that the UCLA would have played a game before LSU and this is LSU's first game? I think it's a, I think it's a significant advantage, honestly. Um, I, I think that it, it gives them a slight edge just having those first game jitters and kind of right. getting that stuff out, um, especially in the first half. I think you'll see it more in the first half or maybe like, you look to take UCLA's first half line in that game. Right. Uh, Cause that, you know, I think the second half, it'll balance out. Those guys will get, get their feet wet. You know, uh, they have better talent. Um, but yeah, like, like you know, a U- is it true? They always say it, right. That uh, the most improvement you make is between the first and second game. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I agree. I mean, in, in high school, you know, we, uh, we, we played Mission Viejo High School, you know, a top top program here in Southern California. Right. And they had played a game before us. It was our first game within my senior year. And they had gone up to Fresno and played themselves a pretty good opponent week one. And, I mean, we uh, we ended up losing that game, I think, 35 to 21. Um, you know, but, I you know, I totally Rob felt Rob Johnson, like they, right, former USC yeah. quarterback, his dad, long time quarterback. Yeah, exactly. So, playing, you know, Rob Mitchell, Johnson. Yeah. We, uh, you know, I, I totally felt like we were just uh, a step behind, you know, and them having that game under their belt, us being two pretty evenly matched teams, I felt like it gave them uh, a little edge. And I felt like if we would have played them again, you know, midway through the year or at, towards the end of the season, I really felt like that was a team we could have beat, um, you know, but we just had a slow start and we just couldn't come back. You know, I think we got down 14-0. Um, and then I think we got it back like, 21 to 14 uh, was, and then finished 35, 21. But yeah, I mean, we didn't have that slow start. I really think it would have made a huge difference. So yeah, I mean, uh, I would really look heavy at the first half UCLA line um, in that game. And then UCLA, I think I like, I think they're going to be more of an over team this year. I like the overs and um, I do not like them as favorites at all. Like minus 18 against Hawaii. Give me Hawaii. They're not going to cover those big lines as favorites at all. And um Anytime That's you the see thing that, too, he's the opposite of Herm and Willingham and Shaw. That uh, with a big lead at halftime, you know the other team's going to score some points in the second half. Yeah, 
Yeah. That's your UCLA Bruins. Uh, definitely a lot of overs. When when it, when it you got two offensive coaches going against each other, you do see a lot of overs. So at Arizona, two offensive guys going against each other, that game should definitely go over. Him and uh, Mike Leach, man, gave me easy overs. And then Mike Leach, uh, they, were, they were plus 18. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to put, just for the heck of it, I'll put $100 on plus 500 because uh, LSU was returning two starters on defense. I'm like, well, Mike Leach, Costello from Stanford. And I think that was the only game. Uh, Washington State <laughs> won uh, outright to begin the season. And it was against LSU. So I mean, it's, it's going to be different this year. Uh, Coach O is married to the game of football. He got divorced because of neglect. That's what his wife put. So he'll have a game plan. So it's not going to be like Washington State last year. But first half, I think you're right. Uh, UCLA definitely is going to have an edge playing Hawaii. Hawaii. Uh, they really should have Pac-12 talent, right? If you get guys who've thrown out of Pac-12 schools and they can get a guy here or there that want to play in Hawaii. And they have a former Pac-12 coach who did well in the Pac-10, Tom Grantham, former head coach at Arizona State. So uh, they'll play a legitimate opponent in Hawaii. So that'll be interesting. Now we have Colorado Buffaloes. Surprised by them last year. The guy that's competing against your brother, started like a house on fire. And then when things got south, they really went south. It wasn't even starting at the end. Nope. So they got a new uh, starting quarterback. They have eight on defense, eight on offense. I was shocked when uh, Carl Durrell got the job. He did a horrible job at UCLA. Totally mm-hmm. tanked the program. Longtime NFL coach, wide receivers coach. He has a Super Bowl ring with Denver. He seems like a really nice guy. Uh, But whenever uh, he was like an offensive coordinator for Minnesota, whenever he's been a coordinator or a coach, it's been a complete disaster. So when he becomes head coach of Colorado, shocked, and they give him $5 million a year. But I guess there's more to it. He's going to be more of a recruiting guy. He's going to make sure he hires good coaches to that end. Uh, we got Chris Wilson. It's the new defensive coordinator. Uh, Darren Chiarelli uh, inherited the OC position after spending four years as a wide receivers coach. So he's kind of like a new uh, coordinator. Uh, Mike McIntyre, the guy that was coached there, did a great job. He knew how to do less with more. He was kind of a weird guy, but very, very obsessive with football and did a good job recruiting, coaching these guys up. So the covered isn't bare. Uh, but I see a regression to the mean with this because Carl Durrell is Carl Durrell. Uh, let's look at this offensive line, which is important to them. They have 58 career starts, which is not good. Uh, they started in Northern Colorado. I used to like when Colorado and Colorado State used to start the year. At Texas A&M, September 11th. September 18th at home. 
We got Minnesota. Look for the altitude to be a difference in that game because Minnesota's the developmental team. They have to keep all their plays in their back pocket for big uh, uh, 10 games. Uh, to look for the altitude to be a difference. What are your thoughts on Colorado, Chad? You know, I don't have too much on Colorado. I think they're going to be competitive. Um, they're kind of a wild card team. I think they could go either way. That altitude is something that, you know, Utah and Colorado, you always got to kind of take into consideration. Um, definitely going to – definitely will play a factor. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, they got a second-year coach. Like you said, I think um, – I mean, he did well last year, the 4-4-2 four and, four and two record. Um, performed well. I, I they, they could, you know, could go either way. I mean, they – I could see them – they're just right there. They're going to be – the Pac-12 is going to be so competitive this year. It's going to – everything's going to be coming out of the wire. And they're going to be in the mix. I mean, they, they got enough talent um, to be in the mix. So Yeah, they always covered uh, USC, right, October the 2nd. These yeah. home games, right? They're a team that will do well at their home games. Uh, homecoming yeah. is Oregon State, right? Yeah. People are upset being homecoming. Then you yeah, have Washington. They- so, Washington – it's a game where there'll be, uh, be a high line November the 20th. Definitely uh, look at Colorado, uh, Minnesota at home. And that uh, Texas A&M game will be interesting because they'll know what kind of roster they have against Texas A&M from the mm-hmm. SEC. Now, I think this is it. Yeah, our last team is your Arizona Wildcats. Now, I like Jed Fish because he validates me. Uh, Jed Fish never played a down football. He's a tennis coach. Got to do with the Harbaugh family. Uh, coaches at Michigan. Offensive coordinator at UCLA. Uh, the quarterback, man, Jordan McLeod was at USF. He was lights out at USF. I never understood why he didn't start. But uh, I got some inside information on that. It's more of I could say it's more like academic issue, right? Yeah. The average three point average at USF right now is 4.5. Uh, you can get into Arizona with a 2.0. <laughs> and our presidents are really big on academics, but Jordan McLeod's lights out. I would be shocked if he's not the starting quarterback. He's transferred over here. You, you can tell the Willie Taggart connection in the in Harbaugh clan mafia here. Uh, Jeff Fesh is very uh, creative. Then Dan Brown, again, the Harbaugh Mafia, Dan Brown, former uh, defensive coordinator, made over $2 million a year at Michigan. He's not the defensive coordinator here. Uh, they returned nine on defense and 10 on offense, but they're suspect because uh, for whatever reason, last two years at Texas A&M and the time Kevin Sumlin had uh, at Arizona was a complete disaster. I mean, couldn't keep the recruits he got. He didn't do well at recruiting, uh, evidenced by that 70-7 uh, uh, beatdown by uh, Arizona. Uh, Rich Rod was here before. So I this is a sneaky team. I think they have enough talent to be in games. And Jordan McLeod becomes a starter. He uh, – because USF last year, he lit up USF. And uh, I say we because I donate money to the University of South Florida, um, head of the alumni group. But 
we should have beat USF, uh, UCF. You can't finish your jersey. And McLeod was about lights out. He's had every year he's been there. It's been a di- different defensive coordinator. Uh, he's had a suspect line and suspect wide receivers. <laughs> he still did well. So Jordan McLeod, watch out for him at Arizona. Jet Fish is a smart man. He's going to come up with new ideas since he never played it down football. Yeah. Uh, that offensive line returns 81 career starts, but bad starts, right? <laughs> right, they're giving up a lot of sacks and not running more. Uh, so this is a rebuilding year, but again, watch out for those big lines yeah. and uh, those uh, furious comebacks after being blown out in the first half. Furious comebacks in the second half to cover second half lines as well. Never yeah. say die attitude. Remember, this is a office of guy. What does it mean? That means he has 700,000 plays. So he has plays for the second half that he's never going to use ever again. So why not use them? And they score these random points to get the game over. What are your thoughts on the Arizona Wildcats, Chad? I mean, they're, they're a, uh, I mean, definitely a bottom of the barrel team. I think, you know, talent wise, uh, you know, they're not, they're going to be competitive. Not going to win too many games. Uh, like you said, watch out for those big lines, though. You know, a team's going to go – a team could go 0-11, but they're not going to go 0-11 against the spread. Right. So, we got to look for those big lines and find the spots. Um, very interesting first-year head coach. He really has no coaching experience. He was an intern, I think, at UCLA where he came in for, like – or an inter- interim head coach for a few games at UCLA. Right. No he was playing. the offensive coordinator on the Mora. Yeah, so no, no – uh, no head coaching experience, no playing experience. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see the style and what, what he does and what he can do with that program. You know, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for him. You know, I kind of feel like he's like an underdog. You know, everybody loves an underdog. I hope he can get in there. He, he and, can talk, though, man. He, he talked yeah. himself into a $4 million head coaching job. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. So well, He uh, must be yeah. a great recruiter, too. He must be lights out as a recruiter. Yeah, no doubt. So, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just uh, – yeah, I'm curious to see how how well uh, you know they can turn that thing around from last year, and uh, you know hopefully someone didn't leave too much uh, damage and, and baggage hanging around the program where they can get that thing turned around and and, and be competitive. But yeah, I mean look out for big lines, um, you know second half lines if they're getting blown out, and uh, you know we'll see see how how this guy gets that team playing. You know there'll be a team that I'm definitely going to be doing uh, some research on the first three four games and really really seeing what style they're, they're running over there and, uh, you know, how the motivation is and how hard those kids are playing for him, the new coach. So I'll be keeping an eye on those Wildcats. Yeah, we're rooting for Jordan McLeod. Let's see if he uh, becomes a starter. Uh, he's got great talent. He, he's like a Teddy Bridgewater type. Uh, and he did well. He, he went to not, not the greatest high school, but he got him, like, deep in the, in the playoffs. So Florida high school had a little talent. So he, he's a guy to watch. All right, man, that's a Pac-12, and you got to do this. Uh, you, do not bet blindly. Do not bet without doing your research. That's, that's a sure way to lose money. And we're Warren Buffett here. We don't lose money. We're 68%, 52.5% is break even, uh, 500% ROI. So I'm very excited about the season. We put in the work, Chad. Thank you so much. Yep, yep. Words. I mean, that's it, man. I'm ready to uh, 
see some college football this weekend and uh the season is upon us man we are we made it another year so yeah the, the big uh, nfl podcast we got tomorrow um and uh, friday oh i have the the tip the 10 pack yeah we All get right. to enjoy some college football and, and make us some money while we're watching it yeah our time it, wisely yeah no it uh i remember one time i was in vegas and people were watching us go to the it's kind of scary in a way, but people are watching you go to the the cashier, cash your tickets. And, uh, you know, some rich dudes came out and gave us like 30 drink tickets, man. Ah, we're out of here. Here's your drink tickets. You guys are winning, right? And that's the thing about sports betting. It's collaborative. <laughs> it's social. It, it we're sharing information to make money because you have to. Inflation is crazy, right? But the podcast, the podcast has been growing dramatically organically and it's because we give you legitimate information bloomberg cnbc wall street journal of sports betting 100 transparent but this is the way life is it's a business decision not a religious or moral one you always get 10 times more back when you give than what you get and i've gotten great picks i got a lot of great insight in sports betting doing the podcast so as Winston Churchill said, you got us through World War II. You make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening. Growing, man. Love seeing those numbers. Uh, the SBC Podcast Network. That's why